0: Moncrief on News Talk.
1: Brought to you by Avant Money.
0: Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. In half. Now it's time for how to. Uh, when we look at some of the life decisions we don't make every day. Today it's how to get planning permission. Joe Corr is an experienced planner. Afternoon, Joe. Hi. Hi Sean. Uh, right How's now. Good? So we're we're going to talk from the point of view of the ordinary person listening, not somebody who's building a, a kind of supermarket sort of no. thing. No. So if say I suppose for most people uh, an extension would be the thing that, yeah. that, that'd be most it. now first off are there things you can stick off your house that you don't need permission for there, there
1: are I mean there some extensions to your house would be exempt from planning so if you wanted to put an extension on the back of your house that was 40 square metres uh, it is or technically in principle it can be exempt from planning so people do that And it's how to do it properly, though. Okay. so to do it properly, I would suggest that people should look for what we call a Section 5 exemption. Because when you go to sell your house and a conveyancing comes up and you have an extension on the back and they say, oh, that wasn't built originally with the house. That's an extension. Mm. Have you got permission for that? And a guy says, no, I don't, but it's exempt from planning because my architect told me and they say, "Okay, Grant, do you have any proof? Have you got a certificate? Have you got anything? Uh, No, I don't. Oh, well then. And I have actually seen over the the last couple of years a number of sales falling through on house sales because the buyers can't stick around until that is regularised by the the seller of the house. So it is important to, to get Remember, it's a planning application. It's not an architectural application, not an engineering application. It's a planning application. So you should talk to a planner in the first instance. I'm not talking about going out and ringing up a, a consultant like me. I'm talking about pick up the phone or send an email into a planner in your council. And they'll give you great advice on it. It might take them a while to come back, but they'll, they'll give you great advice. And it'll, it'll set you on your way there and, and you get a bit of a direction. So... Another, another one that was popular over the years was, you know, and I've often seen it on social media, was uh, the old log cabin in the back garden. You know, young couples starting off and mm. can't afford a mortgage, saving for a deposit. What we'll do is we'll put uh, a log cabin in, in Mom's back garden and we'll live in that for a while and save a deposit. And I see on social media all these guys selling them saying, yeah, you don't need planning for it. You do need planning for it. It's habitable space. You need planning for it. So don't buy anything and put it into your garden without consulting uh, a planner in the first instance.
0: OK, when you say habitable space does that mean if there's a bed in it or, yeah, or if, space. It's, but if they're just saying it's a home office do you need planning permission?
1: No, well home office you see is different because you, you and, and home offices can be exempt so long as they don't breach the, the square metre about 30 square metres or something like that. Right. So you're fine on that and normally that's what happens. So if somebody puts a mobile home in a back garden or something like that, you know, down the years I've seen, you know, enforcement action happens then. Someone will complain about it. The planning inspectors from the council will come out, have a look, say, you can't be living in that. So they say, OK, well, we convert it into a shed or something like that. But always remember, if you pay, I mean, these these cabin things are quite expensive. So if you get a crane into a back garden, you know, it it's going to stand you about 50,000 to do it all. And then enforcement, because somebody complains, says you don't have planning, and then you pl- apply for retention planning because it's there already. Yeah, the council won't give it to you probably on technicalities such as lack of access to it. So you need to have the width of a fire tender to get down in case there's a fire. <laughs> I know.
0: Right, okay. Yeah.
1: Not <laughs> so down gets, the house to get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it gets very complicated. So and if so, the council can't give it to you. Mm. Then you get you take it on appeal to board planala. That's grand. It Gives you a second bite of the cherry, but. The, the the chances are on board will uphold the, the, the for the same reasons, uh, they'll uphold the decision of the council and then you have a log cabin, you're, you're in a hole financially of 50 grand and now you've got to take it out or you've got to go to court or the council will remove it and they will charge you for the pleasure of doing that. So it is a minefield. Take advice.
0: Righty. Now, the, the uh, just going back to the extension now, that if yeah. someone's planning an extension, it's 40 metres or less, yeah. they think, right, okay, I don't need planning permission. Yeah. The, the, and you're getting your, you know, and it's fairly bog standard. It's, yeah. you know, maybe a, a, a room with a bedroom on top of yeah. it. Do you, to apply for that, you know, permission yeah. just to be on the safe side yeah. from your local council, yeah. what do you have to give them? Okay.
1: So, firstly, um, it'll be single, single story on the back attached to the house can't be separate from the house sure. can't be above the eaves so the existing you know fascia soffit yeah. can't be above that uh, the walls can't be above that so there, there are specific criteria right but what what we would suggest is whenever anyone comes to us looking for us to, to design uh, a, an extension or something like that, we would encourage them and recommend to them that they take out a Section 5 exemption declaration of exemption for that. And what that is, it's like a mini planning application. You put it in, four weeks later, you get a decision to see if it's exempt from planning or not. You put in, you know, drawings of what the extension's going to look like. OK, it has to that.
0: be drawings as well yeah, as yeah no, yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. And is it a factor, I mean, even if... It's quite modest, mm. but it's say, you know, say you're in a semi detached yeah. house and it's in a, and you're building at the bit that overlooks the neighbor's garden. Yeah. Yeah. Can the, can the neighbor object to that? Is, is, is that a factor a local authority might take yeah, into account? Yeah. Well,
1: so, so that's there's there's two elements there. Uh, a planning application, and I'm sure your, your listeners might notice anyone who's been through the experience. A planning application is the your there's statutory processes involved there. You must put a site notice up on the front of your, you know, house, if mm. you know, on your driveway or in your pillar. You must advertise it in the newspaper, you know, prior to lodging the, the planning application. Uh, so everybody knows that you're putting in a planning application. They can go or they can go online now and they can look at the drawings online. The council have them up on the web. With a Section 5 application, it's still put on the web, but you don't have the same process involved in putting up site notices and advertising in Uh, In newspapers, so it's it's a much, shall we say, easier process to navigate through for people.
0: Yeah. Now, but then, can the neighbour object? And on what basis is the legitimate? Absolutely.
1: So, so in in both circumstances, you can uh, you can get uh, everyone will know about the the normal uh, application that they lodge into their council it'll be advertised. The reason it's advertised and there's a site notice put up is to alert what we call third party people mm. to it. So your neighbour might say, OK, never told me he was putting an extension up there or whatever, you know, it might be a two story extension. So sure. maybe it's not exempt onto the back or onto the side. Um, so uh, they'll say, Okay, I'm gonna have a look at these drawings and see, Oh, hang on a second here. You know, he has a window overlooking my back garden now or he is. so they're entitled, legislated for, mm. they're entitled to lodge a submission on that within the required statutory required period, whilst it's live, um, to to give their opinion they can say you know my residential amenity as it might be called uh, is is uh, being affected by this so I don't want that to happen I would rather you Mr Planner don't give that permission and the planner may take he, he does take it on board she does take it on board they have to um, and they make they'll include it in their report and they make the decision based on taking that, that submission in, in, into their consideration they might give it permission anyway mm. or maybe they'll take it into consideration and say no I don't think it's fair so
0: we won't uh, or they might say something like putting frosted glass in that window. Correct. Or if it's a bathroom thing. or yeah. if
1: it's overlooking or something like that, they'll say, you know, it has to be opaque, uh, frosted glass, not just a transfer on it. It must be frosted glass. You yeah. Say. So, yeah, they can do that. You're right. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, throwing a shadow over the neighbour's garden.
1: Yeah, shadowing Shadowing can be a problem. Um, <laughs> I mean, this weather might be a good thing. Well, but well, a... <laughs> considering your last article there, you know, where there's lots of sunshine and people, people are out in their back gardens, some people can find that, you know, Oh, ah, blew an extension put up next door. It's blocked me sun now. You know, yeah. I didn't realize that at the time, but now we have a bit of good weather. Is so, yeah. You, you, you can, you can. Uh, again, that affects your residential amenity of your private open space. So,
0: you know, that you could, know. Be a, a
1: yeah, could
0: be, it yeah, yeah. um, could be. You see the, from what you're saying. Am I getting that it kind of depends on who the local authority and who, who planner overlooks the objection? It's, it's a bit of a how long well, is a piece well, of string thing.
1: Uh, I know they they, what they. they when you put in a, pl- uh, a planning application. Um, that goes into the section of the council they call development management. Mm. So it's managing the development, right? Clues in the title there. Mm. Um, um, What they do is they look at all sorts of different policies and guidelines um, and their development plan in particular every listener now listening to us here should be looking at their development plan to see what's going on in their area because that's going to shape their area for the next five years, six years at least for the lifespan of of the current development plans. There's a lot of them up for review at the moment. I think uh, Meath is, they've they've adopted theirs. Fingals have, has been reviewed at the moment, Kildare, Wicklow. So there, people should be informing themselves because you often find, I often find people saying, oh, you know, they're building houses on that. You put an application. That's always been green space. No, look at your development plan, Matt. Yeah. It's been zoned for housing. You know.
0: Yeah. Uh, the uh, Felicity, uh, lovely name, uh, on Twitter says, uh, "Can someone extend forty meters squared onto a house that's already been extended? You need planning
1: for that because you are only entitled to forty square meters. So you do need to put in a planning application for
0: that. Yeah. Uh, if there's an existing single storey extension to the rear of my terrace property and I increase the size but maintain uh, the 40 square metres rule and outdoor space rule, do I still need a section five, even though I, I conform to the regulations? I would
1: recommend that you get a section five just to, to to get over any hurdle or problem that might arise in the future. You should also, you know, I mean, when you buy a house, so so there are some more up-to-date housing estates that have been built around the place and actually you're not allowed to build uh, any extension on it and I've seen that happen before as well. Mm. Um, it's it, it would be in your contract of sale or something like that that you, you cannot extend without going
0: for planning permission. Uh, so the exemption doesn't work on that. on that. Uh, so you need oh, to check that yeah. out. Uh, how difficult is it to get a new entrance on a national primary road? What is required for planning? Ah, well, you should look at the NTA, then Google the NTA and what their guidelines
1: are, and the the um, the local development plans as well that that whatever area you're living in there, because. <clears throat> you, they don't actually like you to put and in fact they rule against it putting uh, uh, an entrance onto a busy road imagine for example the old N2 if you like and you have a site there you put in planning permission you build a house and you're reversing your car out onto the road then that's very dangerous so they, they, they don't like that to, don't like to see that done
0: uh, What if you built an extension on the back 40 uh, square metres 10 years ago can mm-hmm. you get the planning now? Right. So that brings in an interesting element. That's
1: a retention type job, isn't it? Well, no, you see, this is it. The planning system isn't as tight or constrained as people might perceive it to be. Mm. If you have a 10 years, right, it is provided for in the Planning and and Development Act um, that you have non-conforming use of that. So you don't have planning, but the council can not force you to take it down. So that's provided for. So I think you, 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 you could read from section 150 to section 161 in the Planning and Development Act if you can't sleep at night. <laughs> They're my favourites. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's my, <laughs> my favourite one. And that will explain all that to you. The counts can't do anything. They can't take it off you. Yeah, they can't force you to, to, to demolish it. Um, but you could put in retention to regularise it mm. so, so that you can do something different with it or maybe extend it a bit more.
0: Right. Okay. So yeah. if it, and what? What's? It, is it nine years? Ten years? Is seven it years? Of, it, seven it, years. S- right. Seven
1: years. If you have it there for seven years, uh, you don't have planning, but they can't force you to knock it down.
0: Right. Yeah. Now, and he, he, say, leaving aside uh, primary roads, but if you're if you're in an estate, say, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm you want to kind of pave over your front garden yeah. and have a kind of dip yeah. in, in, in in the footpath. Yeah. Yeah. I assume you need planning permission you, for that. You or do. is it of a different sort seeing well, no, you, you don't you, own the footpath?
1: No, you, you do. And now you see, if you, I, I, I know this has probably shocked some of your listeners now And I got me driving a common block last week. Uh, you need planning for all that stuff because now we have to think about climate change and heavier rainfall and stuff like that. So the water needs to go somewhere. So you have to have a drainage plan in if you're all going to right. surf as well because your grass, plays a really important role of soaking all that rainfall away. So, yeah, if you, you would put in a planning application for that and you dish the footpath. Remember, the footpath is public property. Yeah, It's not yours.
0: Right, OK. So so but is that all in one planning permission, yeah, you if could, you like? Yeah.
1: You could put that in all one, one planning planning application. Um, and, of course, you when you're doing something like that, definitely talk to the council planner before you embark on that, just mm.
0: in case. So if you if you get if you get the prime permission, you're getting that work done. Yeah. It, 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 the individual homeowner is given permission to change to the that. footpath? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Even though they don't own the footpath. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's not like you know, the the local authority sends out three blokes who are staring at it for a week no. to, to, <laughs> no. to get that done.
1: Right. No. No. You can do that. You, you can do it. It's kind of like doing it under license of the the the, the, the planning authority. You know? Right. Yeah.
0: Now uh, converted attics.
1: Oh, that's the same.
0: That's, that's, the same. <laughs>
1: that's the same as the log cabins, right? It's habitable space, right? So, if you if you want to convert your attic, there is nothing to stop you converting your attic. Uh, in fact, go to go, your listeners should go to the local council website, go into the planning section, search in there, and say attic conversion, and have a look at the real hardship stories that are in there. People people want to use it as a bedroom, yeah, but it just they won't allow it to be used as a bedroom if you if you don't uh, uh, comply with the building regulations. So you have to have a head height of say two point four meters, you know, uh, to to be able to walk around it. It's not like you can convert it, turn it into a bedroom, and then crouch down to get into your bedroom and launch it up. Well,
0: you see, what what does that mean, Joe, with the head yeah. height? Does that mean in the middle bit? Because obviously yeah. the apex. Yeah, there's a
1: certain yeah. percentage of the floor space that you have to have, as, yeah. as, uh, where where you can walk, you know. Unimpeded oh, yeah. and not banging your head, um, so yeah, so 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 there is that. So you might see somebody puts in for a, for a, 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 a put a, a planning application in for a conversion of an attic, turn it into a bedroom, and in the conditions of that that come with the decision, it'll say not to be used for habitable space, only to be used for storage. So you have to get it right. So that's where you do need an architect or an engineer to make sure they put a drawing together that shows and demonstrates that you have the the, the required head height. All
0: right. okay. So there's a difference there between say it being used there's no difference in being used as a bedroom or a no, home office. So, for, so for
1: example, I've seen what I've seen uh, in the past is people will will convert convert an attic into and no permission, just convert it in and they use it as a bedroom and then they try and sell the house as with an extra bedroom you mm. can't you have to sell it as a, a converted attic similarly I've seen people you know the way you have garages yeah. on the side of a house you know take off the garage door brick it halfway or put a window in hey we've a new room and then they go and sell it with you know or try to sell it with, and conveyancing always throws it up Right. Yep. Joe,
0: there's loads more I could ask oh, you and man, loads more questions to come in. Throughout. But uh, thanks a million for coming into us today. Uh, that was Joe Corr, there. Uh, a planner, you are listening to the Moncrief show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. The scandal about frogs' legs.
1: Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.
0: Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.